The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Middle of the week, Arlen Suderman joins us with FC Stone. We take a look at these markets, Arlen, and you know, I was hoping middle of the week we would have had some, maybe a glimpse of positives happening. Definitely not happening there. We see new contract lows for the corn, for the beans, some frustration in the wheat market. It's just like we're on a repeat in this market trade. Absolutely, and the trade war is a part of it. Uh, Now, saying that, everything's getting sold. There are some commodities like soybeans uh, that you would expect to uh, feel the pressure, particularly since uh, China's made them kind of the poster child of their their response to our tariffs against them, and uh, they placed a 25% tariff on our soybeans, and that's what we trade the most of in the ag commodities with China. Certainly, there are other commodities affected as well, but the effect on soybean prices has been matched really by uh, uh, the downside pressure on some of the other commodities as well. Uh, the funds really haven't been too selective in which commodities they sell. They're selling pretty much the commodity sector across the board, and I, I think that just shows how this is just kind of a, a, a macro decision type of a selling thing. Uh, so when you take prices down to these levels, you assume the worst-case scenario, you kind of assume the world's going to end type of scenario, you create some tremendous opportunities for end users. You create some demand. That doesn't give a lot of encouragement to the producers who are facing these low prices right now. Um, but it does illustrate that this isn't just about supply and demand. This is about momentum. We're, we're looking at totally different market dynamics here. We live in an era of algorithmic traders, computers making trades based on momentum. Momentum is to the downside, and with supplies currently ample and no weather threat to speak of uh, for the grains, there's nothing there to counter that algorithmic momentum trading. End users, yes, see some opportunities, but they're allowing prices to come to them at, at some point. It's very possible we could have two or three days of limit higher prices if this thing would suddenly get settled. I'm not saying that we're going to, but that's possible. Um, but for now, that's a, that's a distant thought, even to the end users. Their their upside risk is probably worse than their downside risk at these low prices. Um, but no buyers really want to step in and catch this falling knife right now. And so with the absence of buyers, that's allowing... Uh, uh, that's allowing the momentum traders to continue to push prices lower in the face of this tariff news. Now, you talk about this tariff news, and it continues just to be another cycle that is there. And these wondering the counterbacks and the work between the two countries has just gotten to the point. I think it's hard for producers to keep track of all the items that have been put on the tariff list, both from the U.S. perspective and China. Yeah, absolutely. And it started off... Uh, Last spring, with the threats, we're going to do this, we're going to have $50 billion tariffs, and, and uh, then China countered, and then we added $100 billion, and they added uh, $100 billion or whatever, and that was just kind of the marching of our, two, of our weapons out in front of them, and that didn't bring them to the table. So then President Trump started to actually implement the tariffs that he had threatened and started off with $50 billion, split the two pieces, 34 and $16 billion, 
uh, and uh, totaling fifty billion, and that was primarily at some technology stocks that would hit hard on China. Uh, that did create some problems for China. They uh, lowered their bank reserve requirements by about fifty basis points, which is a significant move trying to stimulate their economy, trying to minimize the negative impact on their economy. Their stock market, their main stock index, is down over fifty percent from their high several years ago. They're really taking a hit on their stock market through all this worries about their economy and their currencies weakening as well. Uh, when you look then at, at that first fifty billion, which was matched by China, including the tariffs against U.S. agricultural commodities, now President Trump is trying to up the ante, adding another two hundred billion overnight. China has said that they will match that with the $200 billion of their own, but they have not been specific in what they'll do. They're running out of goods in order to put the tariffs on. So much of the, of the retaliatory efforts by China this time around will probably be uh, other factors besides tariffs, like making things difficult for businesses, U.S. businesses that are currently in China, uh, trying to create some pain in that way. Uh, basically, they're trying to create political pressure on President Trump. That's their greatest tool. While President Trump is trying to inflict economic pain on them, that's his greatest tool against them. And U.S. agricultural commodities are kind of caught in the mix. As I say, the billion-dollar question is who's going to back down first? Uh, that's the big question at hand. And, and uh, what President Trump is doing is trying to up the ante as quickly as possible and get as much pressure as quick as possible because he sees some vulnerability in the Chinese economy right now. And so that's the leverage he's trying to do. Uh, the China would like to stretch us out to the midterm elections and inflict some political harm on President Trump. Hopefully the, that his party would lose the majority in Congress in the midterms and that that would uh, render President Trump very weak going forward and China could kind of go on to have their way. So that's what they're trying to do. And it continues coming from Mexico as well, and talk of NAFTA maybe not getting renegotiated as fast as we'd like. And that's really been lost in all of this. Uh, you know, President Trump's talked about doing separate agreements with Canada and Mexico. Ironically, that's how NAFTA came along, the separate agreements and then put them together into one. Uh, but with the new elections down there in Mexico, I think he wanted to have this settled before those elections. It didn't happen. But now he's got to try to figure out how to work with this new president in Mexico. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to talk about. We saw a drop and continue to see a drop lower in the crude oil as well as pork and the vulnerability going on with Mexico. Stick around. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, where Arlen Suderman joins us from FC Stone. We take a look at this market trade, Arlen, and I know that there's so many outside market influences uh, being factored in with, with the trade, with NAFTA talks. We have a WASD report tomorrow, and there hasn't been a lot of talk about it. And I'm glad you brought that up because I really think that that's been one of the contributing factors of this week's weakness in the prices. Uh, USDA indicated last week that uh, they are going to, and they, in fact, they released a press release on Friday afternoon, uh, that they are going to make adjustments to their balance sheets for the 2017-18 marketing year and for the 2018-19 marketing year. 
reflecting what their economists believe will be the implications of the trade war. Now, I, I think there's a lack of confidence in the trade on what economists sitting in their offices in Washington, D.C., what kind of understanding they have of the cash grain movement around the world in this trade war. Uh, and so the general expectation is that USDA is going to paint a pretty bearish scenario in tomorrow's report. That is largely being priced into the market. So I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what USDA is going to do. I don't know what the market reaction is going to do. But we may be setting ourselves up for a rebound in prices if USDA fails to reach those bearish expectations tomorrow. Uh, the general thinking is that they will say, well, trade war, they've got the big tariffs on, that means reduced, um, that means reduced exports. Whereas until we see a global increase in output, uh, coming from South America next year, uh, China's not going to have much choice and the rest of the world's not going to have much choice. And, and ironically, during the middle of this trade war, prices are so low that corn and soybeans are having one of the strongest export campaigns for a summer period on record. And so we're seeing very strong domestic and export demand for corn and soybeans, but yet prices are setting new contract lows, uh, showing the disconnect. And that's kind of what you were saying, that demand, even with low prices, it, it increases the demand opportunities out there for a product. Yeah, it, it really is. And low prices do buy more demand. And I really think that coming out of this, we're going to see some good demand. If you look at U.S. soybean prices right now, um, August, September, October delivery, depending on the month, our Gulf FOB prices for soybeans uh, for the export market are running 60 to $70 a ton, um, and, and less than what Brazil's prices are. That accounts for 15 to 17 points of the 25% tariff. So a huge discount of prices. That's virtually sending all non-China business to the United States. And it's not just about the, the tariff war. It's also about the freight rates, the high truck freight rates in Brazil after their trucker strike that has really brought the movement of grain in Brazil to a standstill. Uh, so we have a big price advantage right now over Brazil. That is giving us very strong export demand, and be interested to see how USD accounts for that. Crude oil, excuse me, the crude oil prices continue to see a drop. Collapsed. I mean, last, was it last week we hit uh, new three and a half year highs for WTI crude oil, uh, and then absolute collapsing. And my real concern is, as I watch those major commodity indices, which are baskets of commodities, uh, the uh, continuous commodity index, which is more heavily weighted toward the ags. Uh, broke some major charge support today, uh, and I'm worried that that may change the opinions of some of the funds who are buying based on expectations for commodity inflation. Jump over to the livestock side as we talk trade there. You can't get away from it, especially with this hog market in Mexico. Absolutely. I think pork is one of the commodities that is vulnerable. It's a breakdown in the NAFTA talks, and that's a real concern. Wheat is another commodity that's vulnerable. I'm not as worried about corn and soybeans. Uh, but ironically, beef got pulled into that selling today, even though beef's probably the least impacted in all these trade war talks. Are we going to continue to see the demand there with the, with the prices for the cash on the cattle? 
the cash market has really surprised. Um, we've probably seen our biggest week of slaughter of the season. It's possible we could get back up of higher numbers. We've probably seen our biggest number. Uh, domestic demand has been dropping off seasonally, but it's still pretty solid. Export demand has been very impressive for beef. or well above what USDA projected. That has kept us up here, and I think that's what's really surprised us to the upside on the cash cattle prices. Uh, and uh, the Packers have a good packer, good margins as well. They can afford to pay up. Quickly, what are your thoughts on the feeder cattle market? Feeder cattle is watching that live cattle market real closely in feed prices. I was really surprised that they didn't respond more to the weaker corn prices. Sounds good, Arlen. Welcome back from vacation. We appreciate you having you back here on the final bell. Best way for folks to reach you after the markets close? INTLSCstone.com. And, of course, we can't forget the, the great Twitter uh, stuff that you send out on a daily basis on Twitter. How do we find you? Twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You can find it as a podcast coming up after 3 o'clock. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.